Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your Shabbat. We thank you for this appointment that you've made with your people um, as a special time for us to be together with you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to, to come and join together as, as one in worship of you and your rest. Father, we ask for you to open our ears, open our hearts that we might hear what it is you have for us today from your word. Lord, help us to see, um, help us to see this story through your eyes. We ask these things in the name of your son, Yeshua. Amen. Amen. So the past few weeks in the Parsha cycle are some of my favorite weeks of the year. Um, as you know, we've just, uh, we've just rolled back the scroll after finishing uh, the book of Deuteronomy, and we're coming off this high from the fall feasts uh, of celebrating the Moedim together and Sukkot and, and the picture that that paints for us of a time when Messiah will return and he will dwell with us forever uh, in this brand new earth that we're going to have. And then last week, we started our cycle all over again with Parsha um, Bereshit, or Bereshit, which means in the beginning. And we got to imagine this whole process of, of God creating everything that we know to exist, that he speaks the world and the universe into existence. And then there's Parsha Noah. Now, it's nothing against Noah personally, but I can't help but feel like this Parsha comes along and is a huge punch in the gut almost. That, you know, we've seen all of these wonderful things with the close of one cycle and the open of the next. And it's kind of like, you know, Sukkot and Simchat Torah, yay, you know, new heavens, new earth, and rejoicing in the Torah forever. Um, and, then, and then Genesis, of course, and, and creation, yay, look, it's the first heavens and the first earth. And then, you know, just wham, here's Noah. God's creation just gets totally wiped out and destroyed. It feels like, like a big kid coming along and just kicking in your sandcastle, you know. And um, I, I started to think this week, is that really the point of Noah's story? Did God set all of this up, like seven days of creation, or six days and one day of rest? He makes man, he makes woman, he makes all these different kinds of animals, all the intricate kinds of vegetation and flowers. You know, think about all of the different unique things that God created and sculpted by hands. You know, like panda bears, and puppies, and like little elephants with floppy big ears, and Wally legs or ass, like all of these handcrafted things that God makes. And does he really create them all and embrace it just to like metaphorically pull the rug out from under them in Parsha Noah? As I was reading the Parsha this week and I was trying to figure out where the Lord was leading me for today's message, I really had to stop and take a step back. From, from the entire story and just ask God to show me the other side of this. Now, I've not always been this way, but I must tell you that the older I get, the more of an animal person I become. 
Um, I mean, I, I grew up around animals, so we lived on a farm until I was about nine, and we had we had horses, and we had sheep, and chickens, and donkeys, and goats, and, and we even had geese, although I'll never be a fan of geese. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there. But I, as I thought about all the different kinds of animals and how, how my love for animals have, has grown as I've grown older and as I've you know, developed more of a heart that, that mirrors the one of our Creator, I know that whatever love I feel for God's creation is just a reflection of what He feels for it. So that, that's what makes this week's Parsha all the har more harder to understand. So I was, I was reading through the story, thinking about this wholesale destruction of God's creation, and it's just painful to watch. And I mean, yeah, okay, the humans are destroyed too. But I mean, I, and that's sad, but I kind of get it. You know, humans can be awful. And it's our fault that the world was filled with this wickedness to begin with. So it's not like I have no compassion for the humans, but the rest of God's innocent creation. So I asked the Lord to show me his heart in Noah's story. And that's what I'd like for us to do today. I want to look at this event from a different angle, but not through the lens of destruction, through the lens of creation. Now, seeing that it was just last week, I still had the creation story fresh in my mind when I, when I sat down to read this Parsha. And there's some very interesting similarities between Noah and his world and what happens in it, and Adam and his world and what happens in it. So let me run through a little bit of this with you um, now and just kind of lay the foundation for this. So in Genesis 1, 1 through 2, what do we see? Scripture says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void and without form, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Um, the deep being to home the abyss. So what do we have in this pre-creation world? We have darkness and we have water. We have tohu vavohu, which is that, that uh, void and without form. That means desolation or chaos and waste. This world is a water world. It's a world of darkness and deep chaos and ruin. And this is not a world that man can live in. It's not a world that animals can live in. But then what do we see happening? Scripture says that the spirit, the ruach, or the wind of God hovered over the face of the deep. God is getting ready to do something. And his spirit is hovering over the canvas in preparation. This is such an amazing moment to me. But even more amazing still is that we find this very thing occurring in Noah's story also. Genesis 7 says, And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th, the 17th day of the month, the same day, where all the fountains of the great deep, the Tahom or abyss, were broken open, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. 
Noah's world becomes like the world before creation. The deep abyss, the Tahome, is broken open and it covers the entire earth. And the windows of heaven are open, pouring down water from above. Noah's world is darkness and water. It's chaos and waste. The world is to home on earth, that deep abyss as far as the eye can see. And man can't live in this world. And animals can't live in this world. But watch what happens next. Genesis 8.1 says, And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind, a ruach, to pass over the earth. And the waters were assuaged. God is getting ready to do something. He's getting ready to bring order from this chaos, the, the chaos of the deep. And he causes a ruach to pass over the earth, so over the face of these waters. So both the creation world and the flood world are water and darkness to home or the deep and chaos and waste. So what about the rest of the story? Can we find any other similarities between these two? Well, let's look at day two. So day two of creation says, God said, let there be a firmament. It's a very strange word to say over and over again. I'm going to say it about five times in a row, so bear with me. God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. In the flood story in Genesis 7, we saw that God broke open the foundations of the deep from below. And he opens the windows of heaven. And water from above um, begins to, to pour out onto the earth. So water from above and water from below are meeting in the middle. These waters that had been divided in creation, the upper from the lower, they're, they're rejoined again in Noah's world. Then Genesis 8-2 says that as God remembered Noah and sends that ruach over the face of the waters, that the fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of 150 days, the waters were abated. So once again, here in Noah's story, we see God is separating the upper waters from the lower waters. He makes this distinction between the two again. And he, and he once again creates this firmament of sky in between them. Day three of creation, God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together under one place. And let dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. On day three, God separates the lower waters from the land, and he creates dry ground. Well, in the flood story, the next thing we read in chapter 8 is... And the waters returned from off the earth continually, and after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated, and the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. 
there was once again a separation of the lower waters and dry land. Okay, then in day four um, in creation, God says, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind who seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. So does Noah's world have a day four? Well, Noah sends a dove out of the ark. And what happens? The dove returns back to him on the second trip out into the ark. And, and scripture says, Lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated off the earth. So in the flood world, we have vegetation on the earth once again. The next day is day five. Now, creation's day five has God making the heavenly luminaries, the sun, the moon, and the stars in the sky. Now, this day isn't exactly evident in Noah's story, so we're going to skip it for now and come back to it. All right, moving on to day six. God sends forth the living creatures out of the waters and the birds that fly above the open firmament. And what does Noah do? It says that Noah stayed yet seven more days after the dove brought the, the olive leaf. And then he sends forth the dove again, and this time the dove does not return to him. So this means that once again, there's birds on the earth. The bird doesn't come back to the ark and finds a place on the earth. The next thing to happen in day six is God makes animals in the earth, and he makes a man, and he makes a woman. And he puts them on the earth, and he blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Well, after the flood, what do we see? God says to Noah, go forth out of the ark, you and your wife. And your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring forth with you every living thing that's with you of all flesh, both fowl and cattle and creeping things that creep upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. Once again, Noah and the animals leave the ark, and we see mankind and animals upon the earth. Now, this pattern continues into day seven. God sees in creation all that he's made, and he rests on that seventh day. This day of rest at the end of creation is the precedent that will become covenant between God and Israel. It is the Sabbath day that God says will be a mark on his people and a sign of covenant with him. And in Noah's story, we see the rainbow that God places in the sky. This sign of a covenant between him and every living creature with him and all generations after him. We read the story of the flood and we tend to only see the chaos and the waters. But God is retelling the story of creation in a way here. Everything that happened in Noah's world happened in creation in that order. It's as if Noah's world is a recreation. God is recreating the world after it's been purged clean by waters. It's not exactly the same world. It's this new creation 
that he's made. It's different than it was before. God saw that the earth had been corrupted by the evil of man. It was waste and it was chaos. God said, the end of all flesh is come before me. They so utterly corrupted themselves and the earth that God said, the end of all flesh is before me. That world had become a world of darkness, waste and desolation. And man could no longer live there. And animals and flesh could no longer live there. God said, the end of it is here. They were as good as dead. Dead in corruption that had filled the earth. So what does God do? Does he leave them to die in a sinful world? No. God tells Noah that death is certain for all flesh. That this home that he created for us has become so defiled that man can't survive in it any longer. Then God tells Noah, whose name means comfort. God tells the comforter, the only man found righteous by God, to enter a temporary dwelling, this temporary vessel that will be sent into the midst of Tehom, into these raging waters, and in it all flesh will be saved. God tells him to put a door in it, a way for man to enter into salvation. Now, Lamech, Noah's father, pro proclaimed of his son when he was born. He said, this one shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. Noah was to be the one to bring comfort from the curse of sin that began all the way back in the garden. He was a picture of the comforter that was to come. The world was dark, and all flesh was corrupt before God. And because death reigned, this, this was a world where man could not be fully alive. So what does God do? Does he leave us to die in a world of sin? No. God sends the Messiah, who is the way to the Father, the door, the way of salvation. And he came to this dark world in a temporary dwelling, and he tabernacled among men. He was the one righteous man who walked with God. And he became our salvation, our comfort from the curse of sin and death. And just as Genesis 7, 17 tells us that Noah was lifted up above the earth in this temporary dwelling, in this wooden ark, and by, and by this, he becomes this vessel of salvation. So too, our Messiah, in his temporary body of flesh, was lifted up from the earth and hung on a wooden stake, becoming a curse to save all flesh from death. As Noah and the ark passed through the waters of the deep, so too Messiah passed through the abyss. 1 Peter 3, 18-21 tells us, For Messiah also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. 
by which also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism does also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Yeshua HaMashiach. Peter tells us that God didn't save Noah from the waters. God saved Noah by the waters. And as we are immersed in water through baptism, our conscience is wiped clean. So God immersed the earth in water, wiping it clean. The flood wasn't about death and destruction any more than that day on Golgotha was about death and destruction. Yes, there was death. Yes, there was destruction. And there was darkness in the middle of the day. And to the disciples, it looked like as if everything had been lost. Like the waters were rising and there was no hope. But Matthew 27, 50 says that when Yeshua cried out for the last time, that he sent his spirit from himself, his ruach. And in that moment, his spirit hovered over the face of the earth. God was about to do something amazing. And the ground shook, and the rocks burst in two, but our comforter was not destroyed. And when the home, when the deep broke open this time, it was because Messiah broke it open as he left the grave. And a door is opened in heaven and as he ascends, it receives him to the Father. God had made a new creation in Messiah, and his work was good. And Matthew 28, 1 says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, the two Marys, they come to the sepulcher. And the angel meets them, and he tells them, He's already risen before he got here. This new creation that God made, it was finished. And on the seventh day, on the Sabbath, he rested from his work. Isaiah 24 tells us of a coming time of judgment. Verse 1 through 6, Isaiah says, Behold, Adonai makes the land empty and makes it waste. He twists its face and scatters its inhabitants. So it shall be as with the people, so with the Kohen, or the priest. As with the servant, so with his master. As with the maid, so with her mistress. As with a buyer, so with the seller. And, and with a lender, so with the borrower. As with the creditor, so with the debtor. Everyone will be leveled equal in this day. The land will be utterly emptied and totally plundered. For Adonai has spoken this word. The land fades and fades away. The world wilts and fades away. The exalted people of the earth wilt. The land is polluted by its inhabitants, for they have transgressed Torah. They violated the statutes and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse will devour the land. Those dwelling there are found guilty. 
Therefore, the inhabitants of the land will be burned up, so the people remaining are few. Verse 18 says, And it shall come to pass, whoever flees from the sound of panic will fall in the pit, and whoever climbs up out of the pit will be caught in the trap. For the windows of heaven are opened, and the foundations of the earth shake. The earth is broken apart, and the earth is split open. The earth is shaken utterly. It, it reels to and fro like a drunk person, and sways like a hut or like a sukkah. Its transgression is so heavy upon it that it will fall and never rise again. And it will come in that day, Adonai will punish the host of heaven on high, and the kings of the earth on the earth. They will be gathered together like prisoners in the pit, and will be shut up in the prison, and after many days be punished. Then the moon will be abashed, and the sun ashamed, for Adonai Zavod will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, before his elders gloriously. This sounds an awful lot like the conditions in Noah's story. The land is utterly polluted by its inhabitants. Why? Because they transgressed God's Torah and violated his statutes and broken his everlasting covenant. Therefore, the curse will devour the land. God is once again going to bring destruction to his, to his creation one more time at the end of this age. But he made a covenant with all flesh that he'd never do this again by bringing the floodwaters upon the earth. The windows of heaven and the great deep will be opened. And Revelation 9 tells us that to home, the abyss will once again cover the earth. But the earth has already been immersed in water. And John the Baptist tells us in Matthew 3.10 that already the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I immerse you in water for repentance, but the one coming after me is mightier than I am. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will immerse you in the Ruach HaKodesh and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he shall clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he shall burn up with inextinguishable fire. The next time God will purge his creation, the last time he'll purge his creation, he'll do it with fire. Notice what Isaiah said in the last part of his description of this coming day. He says, the moon will be abashed and the sun ashamed. Now, we couldn't find this parallel in Noah's recreation story. This fifth day. But at the end of days, God will purge even the heavenly luminaries. Revelation 22 says, Night shall be no more, and people will have no need for lamplight or sunlight, for Adonai Elohim will shine on them, and they shall reign forever and ever. Now, this story that's coming, it's full of darkness and destruction, just like Noah's story. And it's really easy to get caught up in the despair of the details, this, this swirling chaos that we see is coming. But we have the same choice to make with this world that Noah had to make with his. Will we be focused on the world and the evil that's destroying it? 
Will we be overcome with fear because of the waters that are coming? Or will we, or, or will we focus with faith and obedience on the ark? Will we fix our eyes on that door that leads to salvation and stay the course? Because when it looks like there's no hope, when things are, are truly at their darkest, rest assured that God's Spirit is hovering near because He's getting ready to do something amazing. Lord, we thank You for the promises that you give to us in your word, that you that you chose that you would do nothing except for what you revealed through your prophets. Lord, we thank you for that surety that you that you put in our hearts through your word if we if we care enough to seek it out and read it. We thank you that you are the author of creation and that you are the finisher of the recreation. And for this story of redemption that you've been telling from the very beginning, Lord, we thank you that you did not leave your creation to die in a sinful world. Not in Noah's time, not in Yeshua's time, not in our time, Father. Lord, we pray with a heart like yours that all flesh would be saved, that they would all come to the knowledge of you and your Son, and that they would all be gathered into your ark. Father, we ask for the strength and the perseverance to do what Noah did. To not only look to you and believe with faith in the coming salvation, but to be obedient to you as Noah was when he built the ark. Even in the face of mockery of others, Lord, even in the face of of great trials, we 